Welcome to season three of Handpicked. It's so great to be back with a wonderful sponsor in ClearCo, but what great businesses we have discovered. It's a great way to show and feel and learn about what's going on in Australian business. So if you like what you hear, perhaps you could rate us or review us or refer it to another business owner. Oh, Michelle, here we are. It's here so we are. Good to see good you. Good to be here with you, Naomi. Yeah, look, it's a long time since we first were introduced by Tiffany. Uh, yes. In fact, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic, and we had this great yeah. chat about all about startups and so forth. So, first of all, it's just really lovely to see you, and so much has happened, obviously, in that time, and also with what you're doing. And I yeah. really am excited to introduce you and ClearCo to my um, handpicked audience. It's fabulous what you're doing, and thank you so much you. for sponsoring Series 3 of Handpicked here. It's really great. Now, as my listeners will be able to hear, you have a Canadian accent. And yes. you are, in fact, a dragon on a dragon's den. And, of course, I was a shark in Shark Tank Australia, but you're actually beaming in from the UK. Uh, a big wide world out there. Lots of global opportunities for the businesses that we are talking to. Welcome so much to Handpicked and uh, I look forward to understanding a little bit more about what you've been up to. But maybe first of all let's get started by talking about your journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah so I'm a serial entrepreneur which means I don't know how to do anything else very well except start companies. Because nobody give you a job. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty unemployable. <laughs> so went to school for engineering, graduated and figured out that worldwide supply of caviar was down by 95% because the world had overfished the Caspian Sea and was crazy enough to move to the East Coast and build a fishery from scratch as my first business. I can't even make this up. Boats, fishermen, my hands knee deep in fish, the whole nine yards. And that actually turned out to be okay until we hit a giant recession in 2008. And I found myself being 21 years old, selling the world's most unnecessary luxury product, <laughs> which taught me that the world owes me absolutely nothing. From there, tried a bunch of other ideas. None of them worked. Took a job as the director of strategy at a big retailer. Mm -hmm. I started seeing e-commerce blow up in early 2010 and started one of the, um, the early e-commerce companies in Canada. No one would give me money. This was a critical part of my experience. The VC deals um, either were not available or they were so expensive it didn't make sense. And banks wanted personal guarantees on everything I did. And so we ended up learning that if we you know, use low enough customer acquisition costs, we could keep growing forever. That actually turned out to be a really good story. Uh, the company I started is now a small publicly traded company called Emerge in Canada. Um, from there, I built another app that was early in the AI space that I sold to Groupon in 2014. And I then hit a really unique point in my career where I'm 28 years old and I'm asked to join the cast of the Canadian version of the Shark Tank television series, which we call Dragon's Den. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, it wasn't that great. And I was like, no, I felt like the poorest one on the panel, the youngest <laughs> on the panel, like I'm scared <laughs> out of my mind. And I think sometimes when we're forced into those situations, we start seeing things from a really different perspective. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, the way we film the show is we see, you know, 250 pitches in 15 days of filming. Like, it's all back to back to back yeah, to yeah, back, yeah. back. And what I was hearing actually sounded very similar. It was like, hey, I'm here. 
I'm looking for a hundred grand. I'm willing to give up 10% of my business. And when you ask those founders what they needed the money for, it was always the same two things. It was, I need, um, you know, Facebook and Google ads, which is customer acquisition, mm-hmm. or I need money for inventory. And I remember, you know, talking to my co-founder, Andrew, being like, why are founders using the most expensive capital in the world to do something with a fixed return? So we put our heads together. I went back on the show, believe it or not, the next day. And the next time I heard a deal that sounded just like this, I was like, look, I don't know if this is against the rules, but I'm throwing out a new deal type. (laughs) I'm going to give you the $100,000 you are looking for. But instead of taking that 10% of your business that I will own forever. I know. I know. I just want, you know, you know how valuable that is. I just want 10% of your revenue just until you pay me back my capital plus 6%. Yeah. So for a hundred grand, it was $106,000. And everyone was confused. They're like, oh, isn't this a loan? And I'm like, no, a loan has a personal guarantee, which means it could take your house. I'm not going to do that. A loan has a fixed payment timeline. It has compounding interest. It's, it's, and, and. More than anything, if you don't pay back a loan, the bank takes your business. You go into bankruptcy. I was like, if you don't pay me back, I'll just like, it was an investment that went wrong. And so that entrepreneur five seasons ago was like, I will take your deal. And then we figured out we were really onto something. The only hitch to this deal, and this was important, is that I was like, I have to see the data from your business. So I have to see you know, your Facebook ad accounts to see how your ads are converting. I have to see your payment processing data. And believe it or not, that is what has become ClearCo today. Mm-hmm. We invented this whole new um, asset class of revenue-based financing, which is, you know, you plug in the apps that run your business. We look at your revenue. We say we can give you this much capital. It's still 6% for all the capital we have. It's still no personal guarantees. And because of this unique model, we've invested more than $2.5 billion in 5,500 different founders and just entered Australia. So that's that's kind of how um, the idea was hatched and a little bit of where we are today. Yeah, look, I know myself. One is I still have investments in Shark Tank businesses and we're talking oh, eight, nine years because there is no yeah. easy way for an angel investor, which is really what Shark Tank uh, is, to exit a business. Yes. And you want to support them, mm-hmm. you want to give them coaching, mentoring and so forth. But uh, it's very hard to keep doing that because you you're not getting the exits and and people um you know people have this kind of approach that they think that everything's going to be easy and we're all going to be the next unicorn and it isn't it just isn't the case um and yeah. also you know i never gave up um capital in my business because of, yeah. of how cash moved through the business and and i think that is yeah. the most important thing people forget that working capital uh, should be just that. It is money that is yeah. helping you keep the doors open. But what you want to raise capital for is increasing the value of the asset that you can get a bigger return on. Um, and so so, yeah. so understanding the different sorts of uh, funding is really important. Now, there's a special word for this kind of funding, isn't it? Is, is it called growth capital? What are you calling it? Uh, it's It's been called a couple different, I mean, we like invented doing this at scale. Some people call it revenue-based financing. Yeah. Some people just call it growth capital. Some people call it pay-as-you-grow capital. So it's it's got a lot of different terms, yeah. but I like revenue-based financing. Yeah, I think it's 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 very interesting. And, um, you know, we just had, we had four seasons of Shark Tank and 
trying to come up with um, innovative ideas. And what actually happened offset was often very different than what happened on set. A, once you saw what was really going on in the business. Um, and I guess that's the whole point also about clear code. The metrics are set. You know, these are the three things that yeah. we look at. If you're meeting these, it's, yeah. a, it's a no-brainer. Uh, and, and I do like the way, because actually... One of my Shark Tank businesses is one of your first customers in Australia. And she's also been on this podcast. No yeah, yeah, yeah. So I introduced her because I just go. Which one is um, that? Sonsi, um, Backbone. And she's Amazing. she's using it for Cell, which is a new product. And we're pushing into the US. Um, and she, online business, um, yep. great product. Uh, mm-hmm. she's got some support from the Australian government because she's an exporter, really great business, yep. and it just made a lot of sense. And they just looked at the metrics and they said, look, let's start with 10 grand and then let's move up from yep. there. And actually it's all she needed, totally. you know, and and then... Isn't that incredible? Goes. And she gets to own her business at the end of it, just like you did, right? It's, yeah, I might not have wanted day, to give up any equity either after all this deal. So <laughs> I was like, no, well, don't give up any equity. Because it's the founder's that do all the work mm. um so you know I, and i and i think about that um all the time right it's like kind of like the investors and i and i get it i've been an angel investor and i'm like wow this is so much easier than actually being the operator and the other thing you mentioned is like it is just about the data which changes the way we can do this first of all we can do way more deals than a standard investor because we're not listening to pitches and evaluating pitches we're literally just looking at the the business metrics from your data we're evaluating your unit economics and your growth and if you've penetrated your audience sizes and what's interesting about that naomi is that when we looked back at our portfolio it looked a lot different than most venture portfolios. I mean, we had backed eight times more women Mm -hmm. than the venture capital industry average. We had backed people from every single geography. So like in the UK, for example, 70% of our companies were outside of London. um, And we backed a completely disproportionate amount of BIPOC founders. But if I look at the scalability of your business, not just the businesses that you're investing in, you know, to have 5,000 investments, one of the greatest challenges of being a shark on Shark Tank was just managing the investments because you begin to need a team around you to help support those businesses. And yet the businesses want to work with you. And you're like, um, I can't sit on 25 advisory boards. You know, I, can't, I don't have the capacity to do that. So in terms of your ability to scale this enterprise through having this very simple uh, model, it does make me think, why didn't anybody think about it before? And, you know, I, I guess we've had um, convertible notes as a function for a long time, but they are based on far more metrics. And that's the yeah. real difference. Yeah, and I mean convertible notes. Uh, there's, there's, it's still a human to human process that makes um, that decision. There's still, you know, a pick. It's, it's a way more complicated uh, deal for the most part. And the, the answer to why this didn't exist before is because the data wasn't available this way before. I mean, I've done uh, probably over a thousand venture capital meeting. I mean, no one's asked me to plug in the data sources of my business. And so now that these APIs are so big around payment processors, around ad spend, we could actually use AI to look at the data we wanted and the signal that that was giving us in a very, very different way. And the same way that we can determine if a company is a good investment or not, we believe in giving 
everything we've learned back to the founder. And so within the founder dashboard, you can see your insights, how you're comparing to other companies in your category. Like is your ROAS high or is it low uh, relative to your peer group? You can see, you know, recommended apps you should use based on your um your company size and scale. And then you're also connected with your own, you know, associate on our team that's helping you connect with other founders and doing kind of that human to human stuff. So, I mean, we have a team of 520 people. It's not small. <laughs> um, and so we definitely have, uh, you know, that touch, but that was the real reason why this, this couldn't have been built before. Mm. Now you're in season 13 in, of, of no, we're going into season 16, I believe. Wow. On, on uh, Dragon's Den, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so people always ask me, do they ask you what was your favorite investment? Um, yeah, they like that or they like the worst investment. I mean, I think people are always curious about uh, what investments were really fun. So is there uh, a classic one that you want to talk about? A aha moment, a founder that you will work with forever. A great story from Dragon's Den in Canada. I've had a couple uh, amazing companies. One that's that particularly comes to mind is a company that's called Arvizi. So these two um, ex-cops come on the show. One of them had been on uh, a tour duty in Afghanistan. One of them had been uh, in the local police force. And they showed up and they said, look, in Canada, there's 2 million RVs. And they're used on average for one week a year. So this is one of the largest assets that are so underutilized, and we want to build the Airbnb for RVs. And this didn't sound, you know, super revolutionary because Airbnb has been around for a decade. But so the question was, you know, well, why does an Airbnb do this? And the answer is it's actually pretty complicated to rent a vehicle, and there's a whole insurance component and um, lots of other things. And there was just something about these two guys that I could tell they were just going to do it. I mean, one of the guys had bought four RVs himself and was renting them out online. And so he was figuring this out. And they have built um, probably one of the largest marketplaces in the space. I mean, and and one of the most interesting stories I remember from this is, you know, we keep in touch and they text me when they need stuff. And I remember at the beginning of COVID, um, they called me just in an absolute panic because, you know, the way that these uh, any any hotel website booking works is when you book, you pay immediately and then you go use that reservation at a later date. And so you have this positive working capital uh, all the time where people are paying you before they take your services. But of course, when COVID hit, everyone was like, I'm just going to cancel. And so they had massive cancellations on their website. We were so worried about cash crunch. I mean, I think I talked to them four times at three in the morning uh, in one week trying to figure out how we were going to bridge the gap on this very small company when they were getting tons of customer refunds. And, you know, every once in a while, you just get something that ticks in your favor. And I remember we were doing this, we figured out how to bridge like a little gap and another little gap and another little gap, and then get to the point where it just becomes you know, the middle of May and people figure out, oh my gosh, I'm not going to go on an airplane this year, but I definitely need to get out of my house. And then bookings went through the roof. And so COVID ended up actually being a huge blessing in disguise. It just took, you know, a couple of weeks to reveal itself. And also once once people know it, they don't unknow it and they remember it. And I must admit, our businesses were very similar. People were in this panic and they didn't do anything for about the first six weeks. 
Um, and, and this lockdown that we've just had in Australia has been completely different because people have planned. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're getting out of this and I've got to get a booking. So it's been completely different, which is great. And I suppose that's the point is it is about how um, we create a pipeline for businesses. And that's the most important thing. Deep relationships, networks and pipelines. And um, that's really, really important. But, you know, Michelle, we are so excited to have you in Australia. I'm really glad you've partnered with Handpicked Our Show. Uh, everybody, the link is there if you want to apply for some, I'm calling it growth capital um, or growth funding. But it's very simple to do. You do need to be an online business. Uh, you need to have turnover. I think it's about $10,000. Uh, and then they'll give you $10,000 a month. Uh, and then they'll look at your metrics and if you, and it only takes a day or so. Like it's really, really fast. It's really fast. It's super efficient. I mean, if you can connect us to your accounts, that whole process takes 20 minutes. Uh, and uh, that is so much different than a regular VC process, which is months of preparing the pitch, getting it down, you know, 100 meetings and three to six months later, hopefully closing some capital. Yeah. But then that's entertainment as well. So we'd hate to miss out yes, on that. Yes, it is. And it I is. guess that, that's the point. This this works for a certain segment of businesses, but there's also a lot of businesses that are not necessarily in the online space. Whilst a lot of businesses mm-hmm. have tra- transformed right now and have um, have gone online, one might say, not yeah. everybody is in that space. And that means that there is other ways and, and, and other opportunities. So, you, you know, it, it, it fits one particular market. And I think it's, it's really, really great. But there's many a business that is a physical business, and they uh, need to look at other sorts of fundings. But I just urge anybody listening, look at other options before you give up equity. Uh, because equity is the most expensive thing and the most valuable thing. If you're going to give up equity make sure it is for growing your business strategically not just for working capital but michelle it's been fabulous to have you on handpicked welcome to australia and so great to catch up with you yeah it was so great to be here thank you 